0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed, who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: A little while ago you said this the BOSA thing was going as you expected. Would you have expected them to sign by right now?
1: I thought it would come probably to this time, just looking at the history of those things. Um and I'm really hoping it gets done. I know they're working tirelessly at it. John, Hamp, Frog. I know their, their team is, And but um, hopefully we can get him in here sooner than later.
2: Any way you can imagine this team not having him on the team, saying that this thing goes on into the season?
1: Oh yeah, you, I can imagine anything. Doesn't mean I like that picture.
0: There's no way that you guys would consider trading Nick?
1: No, yeah. I mean, I haven't talked to many people about that, but I know how I feel pretty strongly. I think everyone would agree that
0: Kyle Shanahan on the Nick Bosa holdout you know it's funny when Joey Bosa entered the NFL he had a protracted holdout from the Chargers that went deep into August over one of the very few things you can negotiate in a first-round contract but it was acrimonious and it was extended and it made me think when the 49ers drafted Nick, they're going to have a problem at some point. You know what? He he signed pretty quickly. And after his third year, he wasn't demanding another contract. But here we are. He's entering year five. And he's drawn that hard line. And the 49ers have a reputation for driving a hard bargain with the players and being very shrewd negotiators. Parag Morate has done a very good job from the team's perspective of managing the cap and negotiating guarantee structures that give them maximum flexibility while they've come up against somebody now that is driving a hard bargain. And, you know, I say all along in situations like this, both sides need to know when the clock strikes midnight and that's when they go to their best offer, their best position. And you hope that the two circles on the old Venn diagram, something they used to teach us (coughs) in school. I don't know if they teach it anymore, but the Venn diagram, all the two circles have to do is kiss and and they're not the, the clock is striking 12 now. It's time for Nick Bosa to get the deal done. But if Bosa's camp continues to be in a different place than what the 49ers are willing to do, and the 49ers aren't willing to budge, and Bosa's not willing to budge, this thing continues. And I feel like that's kind of where we are with it. That, you know, the the bell is tolling, and... Maybe he won't be there week one in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, listen,
2: for an NFL head coach, it's past midnight. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we're getting close to damn. It's, it's about to get real here and we need you out here and we need you to be in game shape and, you know, all systems go right now. You know, I know Bosa has very good representation, right? His agents respected around the league. The Bosa's are very business savvy. You know, like you talked about with Joey, the dad played in the NFL, that's kind of known as well, right? So, yeah, he's he's obviously got a few details in the contract there that that Nick Bosa and his agent, you know, don't don't like quite yet. But yeah, is it is it worrying if you're Kyle Shanahan and and the coaches on the 49ers? Yes. Now, they have a great defense, right? You know, could they get by for a little bit without him? Okay, sure, maybe, right? But but I mean ultimately we know this is this is one of the best defensive players in football, if not the best. And the Forty ers view him right in that category. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here with with what you know Shanahan told me before training camp a little bit. Right? He told me he was like, I don't think Bosa's is going to be here early in camp. And he, he 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 didn't think that was even realistic. He knew that you know he was going to drive a hard bargain. He also knows that. Bosa is just an unbelievable, impeccable, tire- tireless worker that he's going to be prepared. So I don't think he was concerned with all of that. And he even made a comment to me where he's like, ah, no, you know, Bosa's so crazy. He goes, if we give him a contract and he gets to the camp, he's going to be going so crazy in practice and trying to show that he's worth you know the big contract he got that he can make things a little dangerous out here, right? So I don't think they had any problem with him at first, not being there at training camp if I had to connect dots with what Shanahan told me before training camp. But now knowing my friend, he's like, "Wait, oh uh, uh, hey, whoa, we got to go to Pittsburgh they're, they're they're they are hitting on all cylinders here in training camp and we're getting too close now to where it's you start to feel, even for a Nick Bosa, that this isn't enough time for him to be totally 100% Nick Bosa on the football field with this little preparation and, and time on the practice field. So that's where I'm sure Shanahan and, and some of his coaches
0: are concerned. Well, and that's the key. How much time do you need to be ready to go when the week one game rolls around? We're 10 days away from it, and even if Nick Bosa is in impeccable shape when he comes through the door, you're not in game shape, and it does undermine how many snaps maybe he could take week one, but it does have an effect, and we'll see. It could happen at any moment. It could be on Twitter right now that they've worked out a deal. We're in that zone where a deal could be done and maybe should be done. Let's pivot to Kansas City, though, because they play three days earlier, so the urgency is even greater for the Chiefs to get Chris Jones under contract, he's been holding out just like Bosa. Unlike Bosa, Jones has gotten a second contract, but he's not happy with it. He's making twenty million a year. He's due to make a salary of nineteen point five this year. The market has changed. The best defensive player in football, in Aaron Donald, is making thirty one point six six seven. Here's Brett Veach, GM of the Chiefs. When asked this question, "Do you expect Chris Jones to be back?" before the week one game next Thursday night against the Detroit Lions?
1: Certainly hopeful for that. Um, you know, we have been in communication and uh, actually just the last two days. Um, we've been in more communication. So um, we're going to continue to press on and, and, and work hard and a lot of respect on, on both sides of this thing. And um, I mean, it's been obviously well stated how we feel about Chris and he feels the same way. So again, we're just going to keep, keep working on this thing. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to next thursday and hopefully he's in the lineup and he's ready to go when you say communication just want to clarify do you mean progression towards a deal or progression towards just getting him to back in kansas city without a deal and do you foresee him potentially returning absent a deal i we've been in communications and i think um you know i like to keep all of those communications you know between us and them just out of respect for the whole process and um you know in the hopes that we can continue to work to get something done
0: I wonder what that giant orange thing was in the foreground. He's got a Gatorade bottle right next to his camera. I finally figured that out. It's this big, giant orange thing. And the question, look, these questions are all happening in real time. And, I mean, if they're communicating, they're communicating about a contract. This isn't Brett Brett Veach calling up the agent saying, would he consider coming back without a contract? Do you think there's a way we could get him to come back? I've got Gatorade. Here it is right here by my camera. That's not going to happen. That's not why they're communicating. They're communicating, Chris, because they're working toward a deal. The clock is striking 12. Yeah. Contrast that with last week when Andy Reid's saying there's been no communication. Remember that back when Chris Jones went to social media and said, I'm holding out until week eight. Right. And Reid says there's been no communication. And we said, if you recall, there will be communication as the clock strikes 12. So this is encouraging. What Brett Beach said yesterday is encouraging. It's happening the way it should and let's get this guy signed and back before the first practice in advance of next Thursday's game, which would be—it's like right now, Sunday.
2: Yeah, well, I, is it, it, it Sunday it a weird or we, Saturday? Yeah. It's here. It's here. They, you know, they probably—I uh, would think—you know—yesterday, today, you're starting to get real practices. They might get an easy day tomorrow, whatever, because they got some extra days to play with here. But yeah, I mean, I would think it's getting real. I would think conversations are getting real a little bit because of the point you're saying. Because coaches in Kansas City are watching film, getting ready for this, and going, Holy crap, Ola Batman, the damn Lions offensive line opens up holes against everybody. Whoa, it'd be nice if we had Chris Jones here. So, yeah, stuff's getting real in a hurry there in that department. They're not necessarily robust or deep at the defensive tackle position that we've discussed, right? Now, they got a lot of good on their D-line, but we've talked about it. You know, he's probably the only superstar let-me-change-the-game-plan-a-little-bit type of guy to make sure we block him. Charles Amenhue, right, their free agent signing from the 49ers, he's not playing in week one because he's on the reserve suspended list. So they just traded for Neil Farrell because why? They're worried they don't have enough big people. A defensive tackle. They got him, three hundred plus pounds, because they're not they're worried about this. So, you know, I'm worried about it, and it could end up making Thursday night's game a lot of fun because we can end up seeing a shootout where it's back and forth. But big picture is Kansas City doesn't want to live too long like that. They need Chris Jones back.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a certain point where you just got to get this done, and we're getting toward that point. If he's going to be available. On week one and at some point he's got to come back and get himself into shape and get himself in mid-season form the other players who have been there are ahead of the curve he'll get there whenever he shows up and who knows maybe this will linger I'm encouraged though I'm more encouraged by the Chiefs situation than the 49ers situation are you okay I feel like okay yeah just because even though it's a three-day shorter fuse with Veach saying there's communication, it just tells me they're working toward it and they're going to get something done. And Chris Jones, I just I feel like it's moving the way it should. The way Kyle explained it, he just seems kind of discombobulated and dismayed by the situation. He's surprised that he, it is where it is. And it could be that the 49ers who thought this thing would get resolved are surprised by how strong of a stand Nick Bosa is taking. And they have to ask themselves, do we want to set a precedent here that could be used against us with some of our other great players in the future if we cave into Nick Bosa and give him the structure he's looking for on guarantees, the cash flow he's looking for, the dollars he's looking for? That's one of the big concerns for teams. If they cross a certain bridge with a certain player – they're going to get dragged across that bridge with everybody else who's due for a contract. So they hold firm with one guy to make it easier to negotiate with the rest of them. Instead of just saying, as some teams will do, when you know a player would say or his agent would say, "Well, you did that for Nick Bosa," the response is, "Start playing like Nick Bosa. Exactly. we we'll do it for you." Exactly.
2: You know that—that's where I don't think teams play that card enough. They're a little too nice, right? The guys in the locker room know. You know, don't let the agents always talk into that. The, the guys in the locker room know Nick Bosa is worth more than the majority of those guys there and how important he is to the football team and how good he is even in the scope of the whole league. Um, but, but yeah, you're exactly right. I think there is that the teams get a little scared of that. Uh, but I think there is the reality of a lot of players are realistic in knowing that, hey, yeah, I, I, I knew when I was on, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or anything like that, that. Hey, yes, Derek Brooks or whatever he might get stipulations in his contract that I won't, because he's freaking Derek Brooks and he's a Hall of Famer. And uh, yeah, teams probably need to play that card a little bit more.
0: But for the agents, it's all data points and benchmarks, right. and yeah, uh, that's right. The, the numbers keep going up, and it doesn't matter who who got the contract, but it should matter who got the contract when the guy's really, 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 really good. It's not just, well, I'm leapfrogging him because I'm up next. It's a dynamic that went on with quarterbacks for a while, and it's kind of come back. I'm the next guy who's due to get a contract, so I'm going to make a little bit more than the last guy who got a contract, even if that guy's better than me. That's the problem, but that's what the teams try to avoid. Here's Chris Greer, the Dolphins general manager, on a different situation with a guy who's under contract, held in, and is now going to practice and play without a new deal. Christian Wilkins, offensive lineman, in his fifth-year option, Here's Greer talking about the fact that there is no deal for Wilkins yet. Uh,
1: we have a lot of good players coming available, um, not just Christian. There's a lot of guys here in the pipeline here over the next couple of years are going to be expensive players. So, um, But in terms of Christian, uh, we've had a lot of great dialogue with him and his agent, uh, very positive. Um, you know, uh, We made an offer that we thought was fair, and it, there's times um, when you do things like that, it has to work for both sides. And so there was never – any um, ill will from each side. I've had a lot of great community. I like. It. I enjoy his agent. We have good conversations, and uh, uh, so uh, we just for right now we're we're going to uh, hold off until, in my mind, at the end of the season because I don't think it's fair to distract Christian from his goal of what he wants to achieve and for the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, that's a diplomatic way of putting it, but if I'm the player, I still want to get my contract when I can, because with each additional game, I have the risk that I'm going to suffer some kind of an injury that keeps me from ever getting that contract. But it sounds like they understand they're just going to kick this can until after the season, and that's good for the Dolphins because they don't have to take on the injury risk. I mean, for the player, he only has to worry about one person. For the team, they got to worry about everybody, and they worry about every precedent and every situation, and managing the risk for every player they give a big contract to And if they can pull off a situation like this where they got a guy who's going to show up and play and play hard without a new contract and carry the injury risk all year long, that's good for the team. I mean, look look at what happened with Ryan Jensen. All the millions that he's getting from the Buccaneers because they took on the injury risk and the injury happened. So this is a good outcome for the Dolphins that they have this guy in camp willing to play and not insisting on his second contract now. And then they'll just see where things are after the season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. I, one, I, I wish the player in these instances would be like, no, no, I, I don't want to table it right now. I'll work and do this, but my agent, I pay him. I can still focus on football, and he can give me a little updates on what my new contract might be. You know, So I don't love that angle, right? And I hope that Christian Wilkins ain't letting the team push him down that angle. If I'm him, I go, no, 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 my agent will call you tomorrow, and let's keep talking about it right? I'm, I'm totally good playing nose tackle. This is not affecting me. I'm good. Now, you keep talking to him, and I, I wish players would take that angle a little bit more, but it's like we always talk about. Players in a lot of ways have such good hearts, and they want to play, and they don't want to upset the apple cart at all that they do that. This, this one's going to be... I don't know where this goes. The Dolphins have first-class problems. They're paying Tyree Kill a ton of money they got a Jalen Waddle who's going to be asking for a new contract not long from now. Teron Armstead's being paid like one of the highest paid left tackles in football. they got Bradley Chubb being paid like one of the highest paid pass rushers in football. He's he's not even the best pass rusher on the team. Jalen Phillips on the other side, they're going to have to pay him soon. they got Jalen Ramsey, they're paying top-end money. Xavier Howard paying top money. And then Javon Holland, their safety at some point, is going to need top money too. Not all these guys are gonna be there. I worry that we've gone down the road over by Christian Wilkins, who, you know, maybe not as Quinn and Williams, but he's right there. He's in that group with Jeffrey Simmons and all of them. I think we're getting down the road here where this is one they might have to just trim the fat or whatever and they just can't sign Christian Wilkins when it's all said and done.
0: And one guy you didn't mention, because it's still to be determined, what happens uh, with Tua? To exactly. A Duh. Right? Duh. If yeah. he has a big year, they got to pay him. Exactly. If he doesn't, they still have to pay him $20 million plus next year, but they likely move on. They did pick up the option, though, so it's not a contract year for Tua, but it is a prove-it year. If he has a big season, if he stays healthy, if he incorporates the jujitsu training properly and doesn't strike his helmet against the turf and doesn't suffer concussions this year – They got to sign him to a long-term deal as well. He's on board with the idea that they're going to wait until after the season. And remember when we did the exercise a few months ago, Chris, where we were trying to determine which quarterbacks were proven or not proven. We agreed that Tua isn't proven because even though, like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, he was eligible for a new contract. Nobody was saying, why aren't the Dolphins giving this guy a new contract? He's got another year that he's got to prove it or he won't but this is the year that he becomes proven if he stays healthy and he plays like he did when he was healthy last year. Yeah, that's right.
2: I mean, last year was the first year where we go, oh, he looked like a first-round pick. I mean, come on. It's not time to pay him yet. I mean, there was tons of things. We've documented it. The question about his early years, whether he was prepared, invested, wasn't doing the right things, taking care of his body in the playbook, all that stuff. I mean, he admitted it. So – and then you add on the injury stuff to go along with it. It's a, double, it's a double whammy there. One, he's got to prove he can stay healthy. Two, he's got to prove he, he is what we saw last year. and That wasn't just the, the all-star offense and Mike McDaniel coming up with game plans that the league wasn't used to yet. So that is, it is a proven year. But, yeah, the Dolphins got one of the best rosters in football. And they got, you know, some contracts that are, that are coming due
0: here soon that they're going to have to pony up some money. Late last month after Joe Burrow suffered a calf injury, there was a question of how long he'd be out. The answer was several weeks. And several weeks, according to Coach Zach Taylor, means several weeks. And we now know how long several weeks is. Several weeks has ended. And Joe Burrow is back. And we'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess, or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you, if you could? Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
0: Joe Burrow there he is back in uniform back at practice more than a month after suffering a calf strain that scared everyone in the NFL that we were going to lose one of the best starting quarterbacks possibly for the whole season he's back he doesn't have a new contract yet Chris I think week one they got to get this thing done but until then he's on the practice field and off we go Bengals at Browns week one. Looks like he's going to be ready to go and ready to play when September 10 rolls around. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah,
2: it does. It, you know, it's good to see he's got no sleeve on that calf muscle, right? We saw that the day he got hurt. That's the first thing that I noticed when I saw this video. Uh, hey, Joe Burrow, I I, I don't doubt he's, he's going to be good. This is, you know, enough time. I don't know if you get his absolute best week one. You know, that'll be the question. Even for a guy like Joe Burrow, we talk about it all the time. We hit it on Deshaun Watson. He talked about it, Jonathan Taylor. Damn, you go that long a time where everybody's practicing back in the full swing of things, you know, you're, you get back out there on the bike and you're like, wait, whoa, hold on, I'm not, you know, quite used to this. So, you know, he's got some catching up to do, but good to see him back on the practice field. I mean, come on, star of the sport. We know the Bengals are here. They're in the Super Bowl window. They're one of the five best teams in football. I think it's probably fair to say that. Uh, so it's always good when Joe B's back out.
0: Well, and uh, last year, remember, he missed time with the appendectomy, and he did not play well week one when the Steelers came to town and upset the Bengals to start the season. But the Bengals turned it around, and we on the brink of the Super Bowl again, and they'll be in the conversation if he stays healthy all year in 2023. And look at that. He's had training camp interruptions every year. that's amazing, really. heated his ability to be ready to go, but he's still been – a great player. 2021 was really the stunner. Coming back from the torn ACL, we had concerns about how quickly he'd get back to the form he was in. He reached a new level in 21, even after the torn ACL. Yeah. All right. Um, one lingering item of business in San Francisco, and it was funny that we played the sound yesterday of Jimmy Garoppolo referring to the quarterback depth chart in San Francisco as having weird situations from time to time. Kyle Shanahan reacted to that yesterday. I could tell he really didn't like it, but there is still one lingering weird situation there, and it's that question of whether or not Brandon Allen actually beat out Trey Lance for the third-string quarterback spot. Allen's on the 53-man roster. Shanahan explained yesterday why they kept Allen on the 53-man roster and danced around saying, he just earned the job. He was QB three. It was like, well, you know, if we would have cut him, somebody else would have signed him, would have claimed him. There were some semantics at play. But did I get? To, but Yeah, we're oh, supposed oh, to go to commercial
2: I- break and then the next segment. <laughs>
0: But it was here. Did I? I ended up. Oh, no, you can't. Bro, 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 read. I was. It, <laughs> I was. No, I was one segment ahead. Remember how you were one episode behind? Yeah. On Hard knocks. Yeah. I was One segment ahead in my sheets. I apologize deeply for my error. We will continue this conversation. <laughs> on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Continues I thought it was the greatest right tease this. ever. Uh, it's the longest tease ever. <laughs> yeah. Shut up.
2: Your
1: thought with Brandon Allen whether to, to let, let him try, try to get him through, or do you think that he might get picked um, up? Yeah, we wish we could have, but we had pretty good knowledge that we think he would have got claimed. And um, if there was a third quarterback out there you could put on your practice squad you felt as good with, then it wouldn't be an issue. But um, when he's going to get claimed and how we feel about him, it was important to keep him.
0: As previously mentioned, that's Kyle Shanahan talking about the decision to keep Brandon Allen on the 53-man roster. Using the term claimed as a reference to waivers, the problem is Brandon Allen has been around long enough that he wouldn't have been subject to waivers. They could have worked something out with him where, all right, we're going to cut you, we're going to sign you to practice squad. And maybe what Kyle was saying is, he'd have another opportunity somewhere else, and he'd tell us, I'm not hanging around for your practice squad, even if you are going to call me up from time to time or do whatever, or I'm going to be here in the event you have another rash of injuries, and I can eventually be the guy who's playing quarterback for you. I'm going to go somewhere else, and I'm going to get paid accordingly. I still think, Chris, that there's an unanswered question, and he was never asked this, hasn't been asked this, and it's probably too late for anyone at a press conference to ask him this question. Who was your third quarterback at the time you traded Trey Lance? Was it Brandon Allen or was it Lance? We just assume it was Lance. And you know and I know there are people who think that one of the reasons they're doing cartwheels over getting a fourth-round pick and shedding the entire Trey Lance contract, Trey Lance was number four, not number three in San Francisco.
2: Well, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I think there's some people that, you know, you know, saw saw practices, saw scrimmages, thought, Brandon Allen looked better than Trey Lance, some of that for sure, right? You know, I think people around the league, I think there's a lot of people that are still surprised that Trey Lance, that the 49ers got a fourth-round pick for Trey Lance, no doubt about that, right? I do, you know, whether, I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that question because even if Brandon Allen was beating out Trey Lance by a slight bit, they were never going to show that there's no way. They were never going to put it on their roster or on the depth chart as him number 4. That would take the the, you know, the blowing of the draft pick and all that to another level. So, I know they wanted to keep three quarterbacks. Shanahan said that a bunch of times. I think that if they couldn't find a suitor for Trey Lance, that Trey Lance would be 3 and Brandon Allen probably would be somewhere else. Yeah, I don't think he was subject to waivers, but I think he's a guy that would have been picked up. And I think the 49ers had some inside info that there was a few teams that were very interested in him. And the one team I heard throughout the league where a lot of people thought Brandon Allen was back to the Bengals, where he came from. And, of course, Joe Joe Burrow's been hurt, and he knows that offense. So that seems to be the team that if you let Brandon Allen go, he was going to go back to Cincinnati, and you weren't going to have that. So – you know, I, I think ultimately that's probably why they didn't try to finagle something like you're talking about there. And once they got the Trey Lance trade done, they know they wanted three quarterbacks and they felt comfortable, very comfortable with Brandon Allen being the third quarterback.
0: The first flicker regarding Brandon Allen competing successfully against Trey Lance came from me when Shanahan spoke with Michael Silver, the San Francisco Chronicle and raised the idea of keeping four quarterbacks right. on the 53-man roster, right. something the Shanahan's did once upon a time in Washington where West Virginia great Pat White was quarterback four for a while to start the season. And then when Shanahan was asked about it a few days later about keeping four, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got a month to figure that out. And I think he didn't want to put too many breadcrumbs out there for people like me who write annoying headlines to raise <laughs> yeah. the question of whether or not Trey Lance was falling to QB four. Because you're not getting a fourth round pick for him. And you're not getting the Cowboys to pay $6.3 million over the next two years with the 49ers on the hook for zero If people think he's your fourth-string quarterback and you're just going to cut him, that's the thing. If they hadn't traded him, if they hadn't found a trade partner, what would they have done with Trey Lance? Would they have cut him or would they have kept him? We'll never know the answer to that question. But the fact that they were so happy to get a four from the Cowboys and shed the contract, it kind of tells me Allen was three and Lance was four.
2: I don't disagree with you there. I don't think there's any way... Trey Lance wouldn't have been the three though. I just because of the optics, you know, cause of the politics, cause of all of it. And, you know, like we said, kind of leading up to it too, Mike, you know, I think too, you know, if it did get to Trey Lance and he got a chance to go out there and play, they could kind of like, Hey, look, he was pretty good. And you know, there, I think there was still a hope that that might happen to salvage that look or the conversation around, you know, trading away the draft picks to get him. Um, you know, but 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 I hear you. It it is interesting. I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that question, but I don't think just knowing Shanahan and knowing coaches in general, uh, they don't th- that would cause more problems and more
0: issues and whatever else. I, I think Trey Lance would have been the third if they couldn't have traded him. So, with Kyle Shanahan not willing to take the risk of losing Brandon Allen by cutting him on Tuesday, the flip side, Bill Belichick took the risk Twice, releasing Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham, having one quarterback on the 53-man roster. Neither is claimed on waivers. Both are back on the practice squad, and there's a way that Belichick can play this, Chris. He did this with kickers a few years ago, where he had no kickers on the active roster, and he would just bring one of his two kickers up for game day. He can say, I'm going with one quarterback on the active roster, and I'll bring up Bailey Zappi or Malik Cunningham, depending upon the game plan, depending upon what I think I need in a QB2, and you can do this. You can pull this off for up to six weeks because under the rules, a guy in the practice squad can be called up and sent back down for game day three times. The fourth time, you have to put him on the active roster, and to remove him from the active roster, he's got to be waived, and he can go through waivers and be claimed all over again. He can run this ruse for six weeks where he's got an extra roster spot because he's just going to bring up one of his backup quarterbacks to be the number two to Mac Jones.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's different for sure. I think the whole scenario is still surprising. Um, you know, we talked about yesterday. Bailey Zappi did not do well in the spring, so they roll. I mean, the summer in training camp and and in preseason, so they rolled the dice that there wouldn't be a wanting for him out there, and they got away with it. And I think in the meantime, to what you're talking about, it buys them some time. First off, they got a ton of DBs on the roster and a ton of offensive linemen. And I would think that's what this juggling is about, that they got four you know, game plan matchups. They want certain guys and their offensive line. I don't think they have that settled yet. So I think within those three weeks, they're hoping maybe they can get some answers about, hey, which guys are really going to be the starters and who do we like of this group, and then they'll maybe reassess from there. But uh, definitely a different scenario here. Did not expect this from New England.
0: Were you surprised Zappi was brought back for the reasons you've articulated? He didn't look good in the off season. He didn't look good in training camp, didn't look good in the preseason. Surprised they gave him a lifeline to come back or – Do you think this is their way of trying to get him to snap out of it and maybe start performing better?
2: I I, like So, I know yesterday I was like, man, it kind of seems like they might be done with him, right, you know? I think if there was other viable options and people that know their offense, I think that he probably would be done. But I think the fact that, you know, when we got done with the show and I thought about it a little more, I was like, nah, they're going to have to try to bring him back because there's just nobody on the street that knows their offense. And that's just – I mean – that's totally berserk and crazy if they try to do that. So uh, I guess that's where the more I kind of let it unpack in my brain, I started to think as the day went on yesterday, they're going to put him on the practice squad and play some, you know, roster finagling game here for a little bit. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I wasn't shocked is what I'm saying.
0: And it could be that this extends into October, where it's Bailey Zappe versus Malik Cunningham in a George Costanza Lloyd Brown showdown, where the winner gets a water pick and the loser gets fired. And eventually, they'll put one guy on the active roster and they'll say to the other guy, "See you later." Let's take a break. When we return, my favorite segment, where we make final and binding predictions as to how all four teams in a given division will fare in the upcoming season. Yes, I can't wait. You loved we'll do it, it yesterday next on PFT Live. nfc north those are the odds over under win totals plus to win the division look at the packers the packers it's insane the back of the pack but not by much plus 400 come on that's, it, this is a wide-open division, and it's the hype that has the Lions, I think, as the favorite. So, let's do it, Chris. Let's pull out the crystal ball. Let's make the binding predictions as to how each team in that division will finish. Who do you place in fourth in the old black-and-blue division, once the NFC Central, now the NFC North?
2: Well, it's, it's uh, you know, the Bears. That's who I'm putting forth. Now, I like some of the things they've done in this offseason. You know, I'm excited to see Justin Fields and what he can do. Can he make that next jump? But I got to see it first. One, I don't think the roster is exactly where they want it to be. Two, you know, Justin Fields and his ability to throw in the pocket and win games that way and do that. I still have question marks about that. I still don't even think he got enough throws in this preseason altogether and didn't throw it all that great in the last preseason game, uh, if you watch that against Buffalo. So I think between that, they got some pieces on defense. I think they're improved, but I I still think they're the fourth best team in the division as we sit here right now.
0: Well, fourth best and finishing fourth are two different things because a lot of factors go into how a going to finish.
2: Right, right. So So, I'm
0: finishing fourth. I'm struggling with (laughs) – I'm struggling with the weird vibe around the Vikings in the final year of Kirk Cousins. Is he going to be better? Is he going to be worse? Will the defense really be better with Brian Flores when you just don't have the players? You can whip up a great game plan. But as one coach told me not that long ago, it's not a chess match if one team is made up of pawns and the other team is made up of queens and rooks. I could see the Vikings finishing fourth, just like I could see the Bills finishing fourth. I won't put them in fourth, though. I think the safer course, the chalk here is the Bears. They're the worst of the four teams on paper, but not by much. I am surprised the Packers are dropped down in the in the odds, and it may just be people just assume they're going to be bad, so they're betting the Packers that way, and that's what's driving yeah, the odds. I think so. I think it will be the Bears who finish fourth. But possibly not by much. And this may be one where there's a game or two that separates fourth place and first place. Yeah,
2: no, I I could see that. I could see this year being a year of like most of the NFL's jumbled up and very close. And we're like in December and we're going, holy crap. I mean, almost every team in football still got a chance to make the playoffs. I, I could see that. So uh, I hear that's you there. Pete
0: Roselle's dream. Yeah, that's what he I wanted know. 50 years ago when it was the Steelers and the Raiders and the Cowboys and the Dolphins and everybody else. He wanted everyone to be alive for as long as possible. OK, so who do you have in third?
2: Well, I'm going to your favorite football team. That's right. Minnesota Vikings. Come on down. Bye. You're Chris Sims third place team in the NFC North. You, you explained it. You know, last year was like a phenomenon. Oh. I mean, it was a phenomenon. I mean, it, it really was. I mean, I, I do you ever remember going like, "Wait, they're 10 and 2 and I don't even think they're good." Like, what? Like, it was that's what we said last year. We were kind of saying that all along. Like, it's kind of amazing. I just don't see it shaking out that way. The defensive concerns like you talked about, the rest of the division and people kind of figuring out a little bit about Kevin O'Connell on that offense. I think they're a pain in the butt. Like you said, it's all very close, but
0: I'm going to take the Vikings third. You know how you have that saying about guys having a certain number of rockets up their butt? I don't know how many rabbits you can fit up there, but the Vikings (laughs) had a full supply of them Uh in 2022. And you're right. You win one here that you shouldn't have won. You win one there. Now, their argument would be we've developed a culture where we believe we can win these games. Right. Okay, fine. Let's see you do it again. If you do it two years in a row, I'm a believer. If it just happens one year, I think you got a bunch of rabbits up your butt. So we'll see. And the Cousins vibe to me is weird. How will he respond to it? Will he be pissed off? Is this new facial hair thing an attitude that there's a new Kirk? Maybe a guy who will dare to work on Tuesdays. Or at least open his playbook and look at it on Tuesday. Because as we know from the quarterback series, he never, ever, ever works at all during the season on Tuesdays. Which frankly is surprising and disappointing and hopefully it was just embellishment for the sake of the show regardless I'm with you third place Vikings. so who do we have in second and in first we'll take a break and we'll unveil those two teams on the other side
2: Oh, baby, it's a big weekend on Peacock. NBC has a huge college football Saturday this weekend, 12 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. Eastern Carolina takes on Michigan with Mike Tirico, my favorite Mike, I like to add, and yours truly on the call. That's right. I'll be there in the big house watching Michigan. The day continues at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC and Peacock with Tennessee State versus Notre Dame. Then it continues at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBC and Peacock with West Virginia at Penn State in the debut of Big Ten Saturday night. Yeah, baby. Football and NBC all fall long, Saturday, Sunday. We got you covered right here.
0: Okay, first of all, the Notre Dame quarterback cannot have any eligibility left. He's 35. That's my first observation. <laughs> and secondly, uh. secondly, you know, here's my West Virginia Penn State trivia that applies only to me. West Virginia has beaten Penn State twice since Dwight Eisenhower was president. Now they haven't played a lot of times in the last 30 years. In the two times that West Virginia has beaten Penn State since Dwight D. Eisenhower was the president, those were the only two times I ever went to a West Virginia Penn State game is that right I've never been to any other game other than the only two that West Virginia has won since the mid-50s and my son really wanted to go to this one. Oh, it's on NBC it's, it's like we're getting killed do we really want to drive that far on Labor Day weekend to just watch the splattering that's coming on Saturday night but who knows maybe it'll be close tune in and find out the debut of Big Ten Saturday night West Virginia at Penn State for the first time in a long time all right who do you got in second place in the NFC North? I'm going to go with the
2: Detroit Lions in second place. Now, I mean, I know they're the betting favorite and they're, you know, everybody's, you know, lover right now as far as the the darling of the NFL. Uh, you know, I don't know if I, why I said lover there, but <laughs> yeah. I got to see. I got to see more on uh, defense. All right. Uh, that's one thing. I got to see again, too. You know, I just, hey, this is different. This ain't last year. Just because it ended off well in the regular season doesn't mean it just starts off well again here the next year. Totally different dynamic. There is pressure and expectations on them this time around. They're not going to catch people by surprise. I know they're good. Jared Goff, that was the best year of his career. I guess I would like to see another year of that, right? So for those questions or answers or questions I got right there, I'm putting them too.
0: I agree with you, and I got him at two as well. Wow. Look, the Packers have the track record. The, pra- the Packers have proven that they know how to put together winning football teams. It's not just the players. The players help. Having Aaron Rodgers helps. But I think in that division, wide open, the Packers can emerge as the best team, especially because they have the benefit of no one thinking they're the best team. That is a huge advantage. Your guys don't get a big head. And you've got ammunition as the coach to put a chip on their shoulder. Look, they're all on the Lions. Everybody loves the Lions. What have the Lions done? And if I'm a Lions fan, I like the fact that my team's getting respect. I like the fact that they're talking about my Lions. But at the same time, what have my Lions done to deserve this? Carrying these expectations when they haven't won a playoff game since 1991. That's it. So... I, I just think, hey, they started 1-6 last year. It made the finish more exciting. But at the end of the day, they didn't get to the playoffs. All they did was they gave us a very entertaining regular season finale, game number 272. And, Chris, I think that what they did at Lambeau Field that Sunday night when everyone was watching, that has fueled this idea that they're ready to just pick up exactly where they left off. And I'll believe it when I see it, and maybe it'll happen but I'm not ready to co-sign on that, especially because the Steelers did the same kind of thing and nobody's saying they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And the Jaguars did something more impressive than the Lions. And I know the Lions beat the Jaguars last year during the season, but the Jaguars had a more impressive finish and nobody's on them either. And maybe it's AFC, NFC, but the Lions got to prove it to me. And the Packers I'm have in, proven I'm with it to there. me.
2: I'm with you there. It's, it's a lot of hype. I think the love for Dan Campbell adds to it. Hard knocks last year. All of it, I think, has just kind of reached a pinnacle of hype there. But Green Bay, yeah, the culture, right? I think people question the quarterback. I like what I saw. But I think if you go through the rosters in the NFC North and we go through position groups, we're going to pick more Green Bay position groups than just about any. And that's where I kind of look at it. I think they're the most complete team in the NFC North. I think they're going to bounce back and rally behind Jordan Love this year. I really do. So I'm
0: playing that one. All right, on this last day before the first day of school in Connecticut, Chris has a permission slip from his mother. He's leaving. (laughs) Chris has to leave. Chris has to go take care of Michigan business, East Carolina business. He's on his way to Ann Arbor. Chris will check you out on Saturday. When we return, I will try, keyword try, to land the plane. Good luck. All by my lonesome. See if I manage to pull it off next year on PF2 Live see you next see you next week
2: and and I know that you said everything's on the table under new ownership to consider
1: perhaps another rebrand what what every everything is possible but Brian and I have both said that I don't ever see a return to the old name is is going back to the old name something that is on the table it is not being considered at all period
0: Jason Wright, president of the Washington Commanders, saying that a return to the outdated abandoned name, dic- uh, dictionary defined slur, is not being considered. Now, that's not the same as saying it's never, ever happening. Remember when Dan Snyder said about 10 years ago, I'm never changing the name. You can put it in all caps, never saying it's not being considered isn't as strong as as saying it will never happen. And here's the reality. Number one, there's no guarantee Jason Wright's going to be there beyond this year. That's how it works. New owner buys a team. New owner has his or her ideas as to who's going to take over some of these key positions. Jason Wright, who was hired by the reviled former owner Dan Snyder, has to prove himself to Josh Harris. Either he will or he won't. And secondly, I don't think it was an accident that when Harris spoke to fans On the day that he took control of the team, July 22nd of this year, and he used the term twice in reference to alumni, I don't think that was an accident. When Magic Johnson tweeted that name that's been abandoned, I don't think it was an accident. I think it was a trial balloon. And what do we have now? We have a petition with more than 128,000 signatures on it demanding a return of the old name. So saying it's not being considered, period, that's not the same as saying it won't be considered. That's not the same as saying it'll never happen. And as we learned when Dan Snyder said the former name will never be abandoned, even if Jason Wright said never, anything's possible. You never say never, and you never close the door, and it's something to keep an eye on because I think depending upon how things go, there still is a chance one of these days they'll try to go back to the old name. That's it for today. Peter King joins me tomorrow. Enjoy your Thursday.